How's it going, everyone? Joe Gagney here, welcoming you to edition number 34 of Joe vs. the World. Joining me today, uh, taking actually right in the middle of his whirlwind tour of the internet, it's Justin Shapiro. How's it going, Justin? Going really, really well. Um, not the whirlwind tour of the internet, which is somewhat embarrassing and strange, but uh, other than that, it's fantastic. All right. Uh, yeah. Happy Hanukkah to you, by the way. I appreciate that. I appreciate uh, that a great deal. That's good to know. All right. This is the uh, third in our series of year in review shows. We are covering the WWE this time, and um, I, I was looking over pay-per-view results, storylines. My first thought was this was, you know, kind of a sort of a quiet year, nothing big. But then I thought about all the the stuff that happened outside the ring, and it's like, oh yeah, this year was batshit crazy. Yes, um, there were a lot of, uh, some bombshells that were dropped. Um, the product itself was somewhere between hit and miss, and by hit, I mean just kind of grazing the the ball with the bat. Um, Mm. at times they were the worst company in the world, and then Mm. at other times they were a little bit better than that. But, uh, yeah, there were some major, major items that, uh, as Internet-respected uh, analysts, we, we should have, we should analyze in detail. Well, I guess we'll start with the big story of the year, Kurt Angle. Now, Kurt was obviously a big star for the boom period. He had his problems outside the ring. Everyone knew about his neck surgeries. His arms had atrophied uh, a scary amount, and he really looked like a mutant at times. But he moved to ECW... For the less grinding schedule, he appeared rather sporadically. And then in August, he was granted a release for personal reasons. Um, I'm really not, still not sure about what happened here. There are uh, stories circulating. He was sending crazy text messages. He needed a handler to get through the airport. And uh, WWE was scared he was going to die, so they, they let him go. But Kurt seems to say he's trying to get out of his contract, and Vince didn't care about him. I, I don't know what's going on. It is... Um lunacy really um the it's the the really bizarre thing about kurt is not that it happened because you know everything in retrospect when you when you think of what went on with kurt angle it's uh perfectly logical that this kind of thing could happen but what was so um odd about it is just how quickly it spiraled out of control because um i mean you you'd hear going back to the first neck surgery uh, through vague Meltzer speak in the newsletter, you'd, you'd first hear things just like, yeah, you know, Kurt Angle is hurting far more than he lets on, or Kurt Angle isn't quite the machine that everyone thinks he is, and it'd be kind of like, well, oh, that's interesting. And then, mm. But, uh, you know, because of the nature of Dave, he can't really go into details about that sort of thing. And then... Um, at the end of 2004, you hear about Kurt really being uh, hurting and in a lot of pain, again, far more than anyone lets on. And you just kind of be like, oh, duly noted, Kurt Angle hurts. But, uh, you know, he's Kurt Angle, so he doesn't care. Uh, that, how impressive by Kurt Angle. And then this year, the, the reality of all that kind of set in where it was like, Kurt Angle is out of his mind and the torch says he's on death watch. So... Uh, from there, and uh, the the suspension, and then subsequent really ugly parting of the ways, um, the like I said, perfectly believable when you um, 
add it all up, but until it actually happened, it's something you never would have expected. Yeah, and um, Kurt's behavior since being in TNA, especially his uh, appearances on radio shows, bragging about uh, how his wife likes anal sex, how he wants to do shoot fights, and when he beats Daniel Pewter, he will rub his balls in his face and bring his wife in to piss and shit on him. <laughs> this is not filling me with the greatest of confidence. Oh, I also forgot he wanted um, Chris Saban to be a, uh, a character like Pigpen from Peanuts where he would be covered with filth, and this would be good. Yeah, um... <sighs> We are we're getting to know the real Kurt Angle, and I preferred uh, previously knowing the fake Kurt Angle that I just assumed he was, which was dignified and driven athlete Kurt Angle. And uh, meeting the real Kurt Angle, um, I would rather not have been. And uh, it's funny because, like with the Eddie stuff, which I assume I have an inkling we're probably going to touch on, but um, like with the the Eddie expo- the Eddie exploitation, when TNA first signed Kurt after he was fired, it was like you know what the hell this is an atrocity, a terrible terrible thing. I can't believe TNA would be enablers and risk this guy's not just health but life and um, you know uh, nullify the what WWE is trying to do, and then Kurt. The way Kurt has acted since then has just been so erratic and somewhat creepy, and uh, that uh, you just get numb to it, and you're like, you know, the whole situation just becomes blasé because you're dealing with this weirdo. Are you surprised we went to TNA? And uh, are you surprised that? I, I guess I shouldn't. He hasn't been there that long, but so far he he made a very big splash, and now it seems he's just another guy right now. Mm-hmm. I was um, very surprised when I first found out, and then after the fact, and seeing Kurt, you know, in his mindset and his uh, the the elaborate story that he's uh, so invested in and so carnified, to, to mm. point a phrase that I think he even believes himself now. Um, it makes sense in retrospect. It was um, I was pretty shocked when it first happened because when we think of Kurt Angle, we'd say, well, this guy must have bottomed out and realized how uh, the F word, apostrophe D, he is. And um, so, you know, the last thing he needs is to go into a professional wrestling company and continue to wrestle in pro wrestling matches. Uh, but Kurt felt differently, and, you know, we we kind of see why and uh, for what reasons, but um, so now we have the, the TNA Kurt Angle who goes around uh, crazier than ever, and uh, that's compounded by the crazy and unhealthy TNA Kurt Angle having whatever value he brings completely screwed up by the people running TNA. Yeah, TNA TNA is like Wiley Coyote, where, where Kurt Angle's like a pair of rocket skates. And you're like, oh man, you know, he can really, he's going to catch that roadrunner this time, and then it just ends up with them falling off a cliff. Very succinctly put. Yeah. Um, I guess we should move on. 
to ECW. We talked about this way back in episode number two. Mm-hmm. We didn't know how it would work out, and the answer was it didn't uh, <laughs> at all. You had bad television, including one of the worst debut shows ever, bad house show attendance, so bad they stopped running them, and just an apocalyptically bad pay-per-view. It sure was terrible. Yeah. It was it was extremely bad. Uh-huh. You can see what I'm doing there. But, um, yeah, I mean, I remember way back in episode two, we were like, whoa, ECW is a separate company? What a unique thing. I don't have a lot of faith in them, but here's some things they should do if they want it to, you know, work. And I don't think either of us really envisioned that they would... Like, if you're going to go to the trouble of starting an ECW and give them their own TV show and wrestlers, you would think they would maybe try a little harder. But, <laughs> um, you know, we we learned to accept what we're getting from them and what happened with BCW is, I don't know if it's par for the course because it's such a, an even bigger gaff. But, well, I guess it's a gaff on the level of what they did the last time. Uh, they had, or they used an outside promotion as a television entity. But it really was really, really bad and, uh, and an absolute disaster. You were actually at one of those house shows. <laughs> one of those, uh, I think, 45-minute house shows they ran. Uh, thereabouts. It was, yeah, I think that was about... Let's see, this was early July, so mm-hmm. how? when did they come back? Beginning of June? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, so a month into it, uh, I was. the writing was more than on the wall. It was, uh, it was carved in the wall. The wall, the wallpaper, was entirely comprised of the writing of ECW, and it was not going to be good because... And I, well, the TV started out abominably bad the first couple tv shows and then it kind of uh got its head above water and was just a a basic uh you know a straightforward tv show nothing great except the occasional match where rick flair falls in a bunch of thumbtacks (laughs) oh that's right um and um then uh, it went back to being pretty uh weak i don't know if anything will ever be as bad as it it was the first two or three weeks, um, but it's definitely not good. Mm-mm. But yeah, I mean, you you have the the it was Robin Dam's push for those couple months where he was actually beating people and sort of on a a level just a step below scene and edge was fun. But you know, we all know what happened with that. Mm. So yeah, it's um, and I don't know at what point they stopped running house shows, but they. I mean, the whole reason... ECW exists because they can turn a profit or extra profit with with house shows and then... um, uh, I'm sorry, Joe. ECW completely flatlines my (laughs) train of thought because you stop and think about why ECW exists and then... But, you know, so they can... um, run their extra house shows, and then sort of be a developmental league. And the house show is out the door, and the developmental league, I guess, is pretty much what they're left with. 
Yeah, we should we should mention RVD and Sabu getting busted for pot by uh, the cops on a, a speed trap. I believe that was around the 4th of July weekend, mm-hmm. if memory serves. So that led us to getting uh, World Champ The Big Show for numerous months, which was great. And mm-hmm. um, not to, I mean, not to be completely negative, the ratings were better than we thought, although they've dropped quite a bit. Uh, there was the occasional good match, you know. Um, they did a pretty good job with CM Punk as a new character, although that seems to be questionable now. And uh, we also had the TV from the Hammerstein Ballroom, which was um, immensely compelling television. Mm-hmm. Not for what was going on in the ring, just the crowd reaction and the, I guess, the wrestler reaction yeah. to the crowd. Um, right. Because like, if you think about who was in ECW, you got... Um... Rob was pushed at first, and then that push died. Sabu got a surprisingly big push at first, and then that's also died for the combination of the arrest and then some Sabu-ish behavior uh, since then. <laughs> and um, so, all and the the rebuilding of the Big Show, which probably wouldn't have happened if he stayed on Raw, but a lot of good that did him because it you know, expediated the end of the big show. So, all in all, I think ECW is good for maybe two things, which is, you know, naturally CM Punk getting to go off on his own, and, again, in a situation he probably wouldn't have had as much of a chance for success if he was on one of the other two shows. And, strangely enough, Kelly Kelly has gotten a lot better at um, not really being good, but she's at least started projecting something resembling a personality and doing that broad play acting that you do in wrestling. Yeah, on a scale of 1 to 10, she started as like a negative 8. And now she's up to maybe a 4. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's a, a thumbs up. Oh, Paul Heyman is also gone after the... You didn't see the uh, December 2 Dismember show, did you? No, I did not. Just... Uh, I mean, people were, were ranking that with with Great American Bash 91 and other just atrociously bad pay-per-views. We had two announced matches for that. One was the Elimination Chamber, the other a tag match. It went a total of two hours and 18 minutes. And they also got uh, CM Punk and RVD out of the Elimination Chamber early, much to the disappointment of the crowd. And, um, yeah, that led to the uh, dismissal of Paul Heyman. I guess we don't know exactly what's going on, if he's still getting paid, if he's gone for good, if he can go elsewhere, but... I think it's safe to say if they did not have the contract with the Sci-Fi Network, there would be no ECW right now. And I can't imagine there being one at the end of 2007. I really hope not. I want it badly to go away. Um, what do they get now, like a 1-2 on Sci-Fi? I, was, I think it was a 1-5 last time. Okay. Oh, I'm thinking of TNA. So, yeah, they're uh, um, in the 1-5 range. I don't know. Do you think that just um, a slightly more well done, with a little more effort put into it, Velocity or Heat couldn't get a 1-5? I don't see why not. Yeah, I mean, it couldn't be the, the complete give-up shows that they were towards the end, but something like closer to the, the 2002 Heat, where mm. they kind of sort of pretended to care what's going on there, I think that could easily do a 1-5. It just seems like nothing ever happened on the shows. Mm-hmm. Like there's no storyline where you tune in week to week to see what happened. Yeah, um, I, I don't know. If, I mean, 
the only things I remember happening on ECW that were positives and not um, things that we remember for being appalling, like the Batista Big Show match, um, like Van Dam and uh, Kurt had a good match. Mm-hmm. Um, Flair and Big Show had a memorable match that you know, good for what reasons? And uh, is that about it? Oh, there were the the Rob Van Dam test and Rob Bob Holly matches, but miracle matches. Yes. So I'm, I don't know if that's what you want to hang your hat on because when you're talking about those in your top five ECW memories, you're not uh, you don't have a lot to work with. No. All right, I guess that's it with ECW. We'll talk about some more bits and pieces as we go on, but I guess we should talk about Degeneration X now. Mm. They came back this year. Um, I had to think about how it happened. I wasn't sure. I know Vince had been. I mean, uh, Shawn Michaels had been feuding with Vince McMahon. I think just because Vince was a dick and Sean was religious, I that that led us to the infamous uh, tag match with God. Yes. And then I think Sean helped Hunter in a gauntlet match or something or other. And uh, yeah, they came back. They were to Generation X. They did all the the um, sophomore humor, you would say. And um, I didn't care for a lot of what I saw, but they were certainly over and they sold merchandise. I don't know where they're going to go with this after, if this is long-term, short-term, someone's going to turn by WrestleMania. I mean, they feuded with the Spirit Squad and Vince McMahon. That's done. They're against Team RKO. That, I don't know if that's going to last till Mania, but I don't know. How much do you think is left in the tank? Oh, I assume they'd be done by now because you look at something like DX and say, where can they possibly go? after they beat Vince and Shane, and the answer to that was continue feuding with Vince and Shane. (laughs) But um, if we get Hunter Cena at Mania, because when Hunter first turned face for the first time in, I think, four years, he thought either it was something he, one of three things or, you know, bits and pieces of each, because he's a smart man, uh, Mm. But so it was either felt like he had to turn uh, because just winning the belt from Cena and going back into heel Triple H world champion wasn't something that people really had the patience for at this point, or B, uh, they actually did see um, the crowd getting into the idea of DX and felt like it was something that they could go with and would actually be worthwhile and. Uh, would pay off, which I think I think it did, um, up until the point where they actually got together and started being DX, and then it was like, be careful what you pop for and chant, because you might get it, and it might be the worst thing ever. <laughs> uh, and C, I thought, because back when he first turned, it was when Cena was still getting the really mixed uh, reaction, so you figure stemming from that and the crowd reaction at WrestleMania, they might do a a long-term double-turn kind of situation. But now I think that'd be really stupid because the Cena stuff, it hasn't stopped, but it's more or less just accepted as the way it is. And um, crowds who boo John are more or less just presented on TV as heel fans. So if you have heel fans booing Cena, it doesn't really make him come off any worse. So I don't think 
turning Cena would be a good idea at all. So I guess they're just going to do a, a babyface match or, you know, remains to be seen. But at this point, I don't know. All I know is uh, DX comedy is terrible. <laughs> well said. Let's move on to uh, to uh, the big baby faces, John Cena and Big Dave Batista. Cena had a very good year, I thought, outside of the Marine. He's uh, <laughs> by far the best talker in the company. And if he's not great in the ring, he can usually bring it for big matches, if you look at his pay-per-view record. Plus, all the reactions he gets, they're, they're great, especially if you're there live. Because I, I talked about this before, but there are times when people boo baby faces uh, they're supposed to cheer, and maybe they'll cheer heels. They're supposed to boo. But there's a situation where it seems like everyone has an opinion on John Cena in that crowd, and they make it known. Mm-hmm. Women and children love him. Guys don't. But it's it's quite the atmosphere. And uh, I think you were there for a Raw. I don't know whether the crowd was um, fully or uh, against Cena. I was at SummerSlam. John Cena's hometown, by the <laughs> way, essentially, where uh, about 70% of the crowd wanted him uh, dead. Yep. Yeah, I really love Cena. Um, not because his thugonomics, hustle, loyalty, and respect really appeal to me and where I am in life right now, but just because <laughs> everything... <laughs> they don't... Burn my choking right now. They or, Do you feel differently? Are you a fan of those things? <laughs> I, just, I tried to take a water while you were um, postulating on oh. Cena's popularity, and that was a bad combination. <laughs> Well, what can I say? Oh, all right. Um, but, um, yeah, it's not that Cena and the way Cena is presented is really appealing. It's just that everything related to Cena is so good, you can't help but enjoy it. Like, I, I remember at the end of, of last year, the semi-consensus... Uh, among we people who have internet connections and also like wrestling, uh, was, you know, this guy's terrible and what a disgrace and blah, blah, blah. His belt spins. How can he do that to the belt? Uh, but I think now it's shifted. A lot of people more or less agree that Cena busts his ass and the atmosphere for his matches is, is usually pretty great and have more or less accepted him as what he is, even if they're not necessarily big fans of um, the rapping and, and bees, nuts, and things of that nature. <laughs> um, there's some, still some, some holdouts who haven't really gotten with the program and still think, oh, he sucks, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, those people aren't very smart. Hmm. Uh, his counterpart on SmackDown, Big Dave Batista, came back from an injury, and he has not had a good year. He's very tentative in the ring, thinks he realizes he is old and uh, one injury away from uh, driving a forklift at uh, the local Costco. But, um, yeah, I don't know about Big Dave's future. Uh, very tentative, to say the least. He he rather uh, sucks, and he still gets big uh, pops, which is... So I... I, I can't totally say that he should just be done away with because he's still more or less propping up that show because he's the only guy who gets that kind of reaction and the only guy who, because of the nature of of what Batista is, the only guy they're going to fully get behind and push as a super-duper star. Um, 
I just can't believe that they could still, after what he's done in the five months or so since he's been back, still think that this guy is someone who is worth investing not just the WrestleMania title match for that side, but some kind of big uh, collision course with Undertaker where either Undertaker is going to be the world champion again with a part-time schedule or Batista is going to end the Undertaker streak. And, uh, you know, given those options, I'd rather see Undertaker with the belt again, even though every time he wins, you figure there's no way he can or should get it again. But uh, better that than wasting that on Batista. Mm. Well, to discuss their heel counterparts, Edge on Raw cemented himself as a main eventer this year. Held the world title a few times. They had the best feud in... uh, all of WWE this year. They wrestled each other about a billion times, and it was usually very good. Um, Booker T on SmackDown reinvented himself as King Booker after winning the King of the Ring and won his first WWE world title some five years into his tenure with the company, which I didn't think would ever happen. But while Edge and Cena have great chemistry, uh, Booker and Big Dave, who had a fistfight in real life uh, last year, always had bad matches, worked together four times on pay-per-view. It was never good. They worked a bunch more on TV. That was not good. I hope this feud is done. Yeah, Cena and Edge uh, developed really just sensational chemistry to the point where they probably had their match uh, last Monday. After all the house shows and dark main events, they could probably Mm -hmm. do it in their sleep. And if they did do it in their sleep, they can sleepwalk their way to, like, four-star matches because that may have been their best one yet. Um, and then Batista and Booker, and they have whatever the opposite of chemistry is. Physics, I guess, or biology. But um, <laughs> I don't know if it's biology. Yeah. Um, something in... Uh, alchemy? There you go. Yes. They have uh, they have some real alchemy going on. Uh, and, you know, but Booker is wildly entertaining, but... Mm-hmm. Um, even when he was wrestling, like, Rey Mysterio, although this was the, the um, hobbled Rey Mysterio, the, the matches still weren't that good. But, uh, you know, given the options on that show, unless you've got Chris Benoit, and if the only opponents for you are Batista and Lashley, there's not a whole lot you can do. So Booker T, super fantastic, uh, wonderful person. Batista, none of those things. But... <laughs> Because um, ever since um, the feud with Triple H, where Booker was really over as a, a babyface with gold dust and then went in to finally get mm. a shot, and then just we know how that all went. And I think it oh, kind yeah. of broke his spirit, and then he's just been sort of going through the motions after that. But uh, his lovely wife and beloved queen has completely resuscitated him, and... Uh, just made him uh, an amazing uh, person, leader, and uh, king of the world. Mm. All right, moving on to the television world. Uh, Raw returned to the USA Network late last year, and ratings have been around where they were on Spike TV, only without all that lovely ad money. And we had Jim Ross back in the booth after they tried Joey Styles. That didn't work out. Uh Ross has lost a, a step over the years. He doesn't have the best material to work with 
every Monday with the likes of Carlito and Chris Masters, but well, he and Lawler, Lawler can seem stale at times. I don't know uh, really have a better combo for Raw, and I don't know what they're going to do if he ever decides to just stop. Yeah, well, we've seen what happens in the interim, and it's not good at all. It's kind of disastrous, even when they had Joey Styles. The people, there are people who Jim Ross is just uh, the worst thing in the world, and they simply can't take it because he's been there for so long. And I think they just fail to understand what the alternatives are, because if you think Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler doing their, their old routine is uh, so unacceptable that you'd rather see Todd Grisham as the lead anchor on Raw or even Joey Styles is not good at all compared to Jim Ross. So, mm-hmm. it's uh, you know, it's we know we're getting with them, and it may not be as great as it was, but you're not going to find anything better. Yeah. Uh, SmackDown had some disastrous numbers in the summer when it was still on UPN before moving to the new CW, and uh, JVL was really a revelation as a color commentator. And while he can sometimes go into business for himself and just uh, rip on guys he doesn't like, even though they're heels and he should technically support them, that's really part of the fun. And uh, it is a shame he can be saddled with Michael Cole and... Remember when everyone thought Michael Cole and Taz were so great a, uh, a few years back, and they were much better than yeah. Lawler and uh, and Jr. I do indeed. I think I may have uh, foolishly said things of that nature at the time. Uh, more, you can even come across as pretty great when you get to call four star matches on TV every week between those gentlemen who we remember so fondly. But um, yeah, Bradshaw is amazing. Um, as far as who the best announcer is, it depends, and they're doing two different jobs technically, but uh, I think Observer Awards only just makes it a cover-all category. But it depends on whether you want, far and away, the best and most entertaining uh, actual speaker of words or the guy who's best at his job as an announcer and what he's supposed to do. But uh, So it's either Ross or JBL, and, and JBL, like you said, is, is kind of counterproductive at times but uh and whereas ross is um doing what he needs to do and and selling the things and making the cogent points that need to be made but um at the same time jbl is just so great that i would have to say he is the best announcer of the year and uh i don't know if you thought about it you could have seen it coming but it's not something i never would expect him to flourish the way he has yeah, I agree, and um, he does work really hard at putting putting people over, you know, like like Matt Hardy's a future main eventer, and and, and Greg Harry Helms and uh, Banky and Paul London, and people like that. I never thought he would really yeah. work that well. That's the whole thing is you think of JBL and you just figure he's an ass who's going to get himself over, and he's done a lot of getting himself over. But the way he'll put over, like, Booker's Act or Fit Finley or, like you said, even guys you'd never think he would endorse, like London and Kendrick, he's just so good at it. Hmm. And I think that more than makes up for the way he reacts to MVP or The Miz, <laughs> which it's hard to get outraged about because it's, <laughs> it's MVP and The Miz. Or Vito. 
But, um, ah, yes. And uh, then we had ECW with uh, Joey Styles and, and Taz on the Sci-Fi Network, of all places. Don't know what to say. They don't have a lot to work with. I am not the most ardent watcher of ECW. Maybe they're okay. I don't know. I'm just sad that uh, the Mansquito crossover never materialized. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe the most exciting part of the ECW run was seeing that some TV movie that had Chris Jericho in it. You'd see Chris Jericho in a commercial and be happy. And then you'd go back to TV and Kevin Thorne was wrestling and you'd be not so happy. <laughs> it'd be very sad. Like, it's hard to evaluate Styles and Taz because, like, I. Uh, we just said about Cole and Taz, you seem all really good at your job when you're calling um, four-star matches and exciting TV every week. And when you're calling ECW, everything that's annoying and stupid about you is um, exacerbated. And, you know, Taz is really good, and there's just really not a whole lot he can do uh, on ECW when he has to be like... Uh, this blood-sucking vampire dude, Joey Styles, that is off the chain. That is, you want to talk about extreme, Kevin Thorne is extreme. What can you, you it's just not something that inspires uh, admiration. No. Now on to a, uh, a, a sadder topic, Eddie Guerrero and his continuing presence in the mm-hmm. WWE. Uh, last year we had the incident where Big Show spat on Eddie's little rider in a match with Ray. Things kicked off this year with Ray Ray winning the Royal Rumble and uh, thanking Eddie, doing it in his name, and and that's totally fine. I don't think anyone had a problem with that. Then we had Randy Orton coming out and saying Eddie is rotting in hell, and then he beat Ray for his WrestleMania title shot, which was not fine. Ray got reinstated in the match, uh, won the title at Mania, which, again, was fine, but at at that point it seemed like Diddy was angry that Ray was the champ. (laughs) Like, someone, like... Like someone in the payroll department made a mistake and they had to make Ray the champ, so they were determined to punish him for this. Mm-hmm. And they just had him job left and right in every non-title match to everyone you can imagine. And then um, then Chavo came back and he ended up costing Ray the title, saying Ray was exploiting Eddie's name. And then Vicky Guerrero showed up and sided with Chavo. So yes, the brother of the dead wrestler and his widow are now heels on TV. Where did you even start with that um it's kind of unfair that wwe exploits eddie guerrero death gets to be a coverall when you vote for most disgusting promotional tactic or most disappointing thing or mm. baddest crap or whatever you want to call it <laughs> the baddest crap category mm-hmm. uh because there's like five different uh things that you put there that if they were individual nominees could probably finish like one through five or at least, mm-hmm. you know, five out of the top seven or whatever. Uh, yeah, it'd be like WWE Eddie stuff gets one through five and then uh, bump one of them for TNA Kurt Angle and you've really got uh, a landmark year for crassness and stupidity. But... Um, like I said earlier about Kurt, it's funny how mundane that comes across at this point where it's like, yeah, you know, Eddie, who is dead, his wife is on TV, and she's a heel. Like, if you would have said at the beginning of the year that uh, 
not only would someone say that beloved deceased wrestler Eddie Guerrero is in hell, but uh, <laughs> a few months later they would make his wife a regular television character and turn her heel, you'd have been like, holy shit, this is the most appalling thing I've ever heard. And now you're just totally numb to it. Like They're so invested in Eddie Guerrero and the memory thereof being an, an ongoing TV character that even when Rey Mysterio, the living conduit of Latino heat, couldn't be on TV anymore, they had... Chris Benoit to slide him into the spot as Eddie's other best friend just so they could continue the Eddie Guerrero is dead program because it's, you know, so important. Eventually they're they're going to, to run out of Eddie friends and have to bring Malenko out of retirement just so that, <laughs> that Chavo has somebody to feud with and they can keep bringing his name up. And uh, best of all for Chris Benoit, he's accused of being a woman beater too in this angle. I'm sure uh, life is great for him. Mm-hmm. But at some point, Dominic will be uh, old enough to wrestle. And he is a true Guerrero, so that'll take care of that. There you go. I mean, uh, continuity buffs will recall that Chris Benoit once headbutted Stephanie McMahon like six years ago. So if they oh, wanted yeah. to drag that out, that'd be pretty damning evidence. Nevertheless. Uh, but uh, this, the many sh- of the many shames about this, one of the shames is that um, Ray should have ran away with uh, WWE's Wrestler of the Year. The combination of being an awesome worker and a genuine TV ratings draw, plus finally getting pushed in the top spot, it's like uh, number one formula for complete joint success. And instead it was just a disaster. Uh, Yet, like you said, they basically reacted like Ray stole the belt somehow. Like, it, it was the 1930s, and, and Ray rolled somebody up and went into... <laughs> Double business. cross. Yeah. And they were like, well, you know, we we can't take the belt off you, but we will make you look like... It. I don't know, did... um, I think after winning the Royal Rumble, between that and when he lost the belt in July, I don't know that Ray won more than four matches. <laughs> I know he beat... Uh, he won at WrestleMania... He beat Randy Orton in his suspension yep. match, and uh, he beat JBL twice. And those may have been the only four matches he won during that entire time span. He did yeah. at least uh, two or three clean jobs to Mark Henry in that time. Oh, that's right. I remember the great Kali one. I couldn't remember anyone else. Mm-hmm. He may have even <laughs> lost to Finley a few times just because it's Oh, yeah, like, I think so. You know, why should the world champion beat Finley? Sure, why not? Uh, I, know, I know Vicky's getting a paycheck from all this, and that's great, but couldn't they just give her a marketing job or something? Yeah, they can't pay her to go to autograph signings or something like that. Yeah, or, or Sign something. Sign Eddie's name, being the <laughs> executor of his will or something like that. His estate, which... Um... That storyline may have been dropped, I don't know, but... <laughs> oh, I'm very tired of discussing this. Let's move on to to Hollywood and the film world. Because in Vince McMahon's never-ending quest to do something outside of wrestling successfully, we had our first two WWE films of the year. We had Cena Evil, starring Kane, opening in May, and doing okay, it seems. I think it was smart to open with a horror film. I think it had a $16 million budget... No, an $8 million budget. It made $16 million. 
So when you factor in, uh, you know, splitting and advertising and DVD sales, it'll probably be profitable, or at the very least, not a humongous money loser. And uh, it did give us the classic storyline where Kane got mad every time someone said May 19th. No, don't say Oh, that's Joe. right. I did it again. For God's sakes. Continuity, I did that on a previous show. <laughs> You're going to get and, a stab. Uh, and no, I think he's okay with it now. I thought, he, I thought he made peace. Yeah, he embraced May 19th as part of his past. Or What was the explanation? Or did they not do one when they killed the freaking deacon? Wasn't that um, wasn't that the day Katie Vick died? Or did I make that up? I think we assumed that. We, again, that just made sense. So. Devotees of programming come up with their own ideas, like uh, yeah. why I had Bonnie Stephanie McMahon <laughs> trying to... I believe in... Uh, in terminology, it's known as fan wanking, where you oh. won't accept a continuity error and then try and correct it yourself. Uh, but he Good may have said <laughs> Well, yeah, at, at certain points, they make it impossible. WWE nullifies the fan wank, which maybe uh, says hmm. something about how bad they are. They, they're unfan wankable. But um, it may be... He may have mentioned at some point that's the day his parents died, but again, I oh. could be making that up like you are. Huh. Well, uh, October brought us the Marine. I think you and I have said all we have to say about this movie. And the fact that it was um, it made a bit more money than See No Evil. It had a much bigger budget and will end up losing money in the end when all is said and done. Don't know what this means for the future of the films. These are not, you know, enormous losses, but after uh, The Condemned next year, I don't know if we'll be seeing any more. We'll probably be seeing um, films direct to USA or video, probably more than theater releases. Mm-hmm. Cabin by the Lake 3, maybe? Could be. Um, if they can get Judd Nelson again, I don't know. But, um, yeah, I don't know how much actually being able to go on your own television and get some sort of... Uh, mainstream penetration advertising it, but it probably does add a little bit of luster to these your top stars, if you can say these were so big that they star in their own movies. But when you're as m- minor a movie as those two have been, I don't know if it mm. is worth going to all that trouble just to be able to say our wrestlers are in movies. All right, um, back to TV for a second here. Uh, part of the deal with USA, the WWE returned to network television for the first time in 14 years with Saturday night's main event. They had one show in March, another in July. Uh, no one cared, and both did atrociously in the ratings. The, the thing was, back in the day, you didn't get to see main eventers wrestle on free TV, and there were only, um, I think, four pay-per-views a year back then. So seeing Hulk Hogan on TV, even if it was a five-minute match, that's a novelty. Now you have marquee matches on every week, about 50 pay-per-views a year, and seeing John Cena versus Edge, that's not going to get me stampeding towards the TV. And uh, they they were obligated for two shows. I can't imagine seeing another one anytime soon. I hope not, because they're big wastes of time, and they make them yeah. uh, waste their uh, matches that they otherwise maybe could have gotten something out of, but not really, because it's them. But what did they give away? They gave away a Cena-Edge match, which is like a drop in the bucket. They wrestle every week, more or less. Yeah. Um, 
Sean versus Shane, I guess, which I, I guess I'd rather they got that out of the way there than waste the pay-per-view on it. Although we did see Sean versus McMahon's on four pay-per-views this year. Um, and I, the others were like, oh, they did um, Battle of the WrestleMania main events where Raw's two guys were equal to SmackDown's three. Yes. Um, maybe the only good thing on those was is that where Foley, where Edge gave Foley a concerto? I forget. I guess it doesn't matter because Foley came back on yeah, TV two days know. later. So, other than that, I cannot remember anything that happened on Saturday night's main event, which I guess says something. Oh, uh, DX beat Spirit Squad five falls to zero. Yeah. On to pay-per-views. Uh, the WWE increased the cost of its pay-per-views from. Thirty-four ninety-five to thirty-nine ninety-five, partly to keep up with UFC, which also increased the cost of its shows. But they also figured that since really only diehards are getting pay-per-views these days, they'll still buy if they up the price five bucks. So you're getting more revenue for really doing nothing, which isn't a bad idea, at least in theory. But for someone like me, I don't get a lot of pay-per-views. The added expense is probably going to keep me from getting them. I, I know that sounds dumb since it's obviously more, but when you go from 30 to 35, that didn't seem that big of a deal. Going from 35 to 40, it kind of gets hard to justify any real pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. $40. I can't remember how many shows I ended up getting this year. I got Rumble, mm-hmm. No Way Out, Mania, ECW, SummerSlam, Unforgiven, and Survivor Series. Which, um... And... If I had the choice to do it over again, it would have been less than that. Yeah. But um, I actually lucked out on No Way Out and Unforgiven because they each had um, average cards and then great main events. But the $40 price tag, like the argument from uh, what what is in your house is starting at? 19 1995 Yeah. So the argument in going from um, 19 up to... 29, and then, were they at 35 before 40? Yeah. Yes. So the argument is that charging more isn't, that amount of money isn't going to convince someone to not buy a show, so it's like you're you're adding a big chunk of profit for free, mm-hmm. except 40 may be the threshold for that. It may, mm. it wouldn't have been if it was 2000 or even 2000 two before the slide started domestically, but um, $40 combined with the 15 shows a year and the bad quality of a lot of those shows may be the breaking point. Yeah, I don't know, because you can't say it's a direct correlation between buys going down, because they've already been going down a lot over the last two years, so I don't know if it's possible to fall further domestically or whether or not they're right uh, against our better judgment that they can add as many shows as they want and even if they're not necessarily over, they're still free money. So, I don't know. Let's talk about the uh, pay-per-views this year, what we've seen, or at least the common perception of them, and we'll see how many would be worth it. Now, you had New Year's Revolution... Uh, that had the Elimination Chamber and then Edge cashing in the money in the bank to win the world title. Um, I don't know. What do people think about that? 
from what I remember, the undercard was nothing. There was a Hunter Show match that was maybe a little bit above average, and then the Chamber was a good match, you know, not an, an extreme elimination chamber, or as former Joe versus the World guest uh, Christopher Zimmerman called it, the most extreme elimination challenge, um, which I was impressed by. Um, but um, So it had that and then an okay chamber match. So other than the surprise title win, which was really well done, I would say that is a not worth purchasing. Okay. Uh, Rumble, I remember getting very bad reviews outside of the Rey Mysterio win. I'm guessing that's a no. Yeah, it was the worst Rumble show in six years, probably, and the worst Rumble match in six years. Mm. They got um, really good at having really entertaining Rumbles um, in this century. Because the combination of they they added a bunch of great workers to their roster, and then they would put a lot of thought into the whole match instead of just you kill time and then the number one face throws people out at the end and overcomes the odds. So now they they have segments and some really exciting stuff. Like, not just 2004, which everyone remembers because of Benoit, but um, 2003 and 2005 were great, too. And then this year just awful they didn't even bother um <laughs> they were like well ray and hunter will be in it the whole time and yeah that's all yep well no the, the three things they the three spots they planned for this year's rumble were ray and hunter will be in the whole time vince will throw out sean i think or no vince distracted sean and shane threw him out and uh so gotta have that gotta have uh, Hunter and Ray in, and the one thing that has to happen is Viscera has to do the asteroid spot to Matt Hardy. And uh, other than that, you guys can just call it in the ring. Mm. But, yeah, uh, it's hard to pass up on the Rumble, but uh, this was a terrible one. Edge and Cena had... It's not like they had a bad match, but they were so scared about Cena's reaction. I think that the match was basically Edge got the heat on him briefly, and then Cena made one comeback, and that was it. And Cena came out on a giant spaceship. <laughs> I missed that. Yes, it was an elaborate uh, construction <laughs> of steel and uh, presumably forged through hustle and loyalty and respect. But uh, And then Kurt Angle and Mark Henry were the last match on the show so that they could end it with a lightning bolt striking the ring. Oh, that's right. Ugh. Glad I passed on that one. But yeah. um, Then we had No Way Out. We had the, the Undertaker Angle main event, which was great. And nothing else. Yes. Like a couple three-star matches with mm-hmm. Ray Orton and um, Booker T and Chris Benoit. Which is, or you know, you'd, you'd rather see a three-star match than not see one. But yeah. uh, the main event really made it because, you know... It, Kurt and Undertaker have had some good and even great matches before, but this was 2005, and Kurt Angle, with all the problems we talked about, and Undertaker being old and doing the dead gimmick, mm-hmm. and didn't matter. This was uh, just so great. Um, my match of the year for the company. Wow. So that would be a yes, then? Yes. All right. 
Then we had uh, WrestleMania, which I did purchase, and was a very good show. Uh, a big thumbs up for this, especially for um, Triple H as Conan the Barbarian and John Cena as a bootlegger. Yep, and CM Punk is a gangster. That's right. Uh, yeah, I thought Mania was great, too. Um, Foley Edge was awesome. Hunter Cena greatly exceeded expectations. Um, and Sean and Vince had a really entertaining match. So, I mean, it should have been even better is the shame because the SmackDown main event looked like it would have been really great if it had yeah. gone the allotted 25 minutes or whatever, but they had their 13 minutes like another famous Kurt Angle match this year. But uh, aside from that, I uh, can't complain about the show at all. Well, I mean, you can complain about Booker T versus the Bully Man, but, you know. Well, yeah. Probably the uh, best show of the year. Or, uh-oh, I may have spoiled the question you would have asked at the end of this list. I wasn't thinking about that, but um, you didn't spoil anything, so okay. I wouldn't worry. Uh, then we had Backlash with the God tag match, and uh, I couldn't remember the main event, but it was a triple threat for the title with Cena, Edge, and uh, Triple H. Mm-hmm. I cherry-picked uh, some of those matches. Don't ask me how. but uh, And they were... The main event was really good. Sean and the McMahons was actually quite good, and Van Dam versus Shelton was a good match. So all things considered, I guess this would be in the upper end of um, pay-per-views this year, although yeah. apparently it died in terms mm-hmm. of uh, buys. So yeah, died as God cannot being immortal. Oh. Speaking of God, we had Judgment Day next, which um, I tracked down after the fact, and this was a very good show. wasn't the, the greatest show ever, but for the card they put out, this was as good a show as you could hope to get. Yeah, um, I saw the Benoit Finley match, which was great, and the rest of it was all top to bottom, as good as you could hope. Like, uh, Booker won the King of the Ring, which is really important, even Mm -hmm. if the match with Lashley was just okay. And even Taker Kali, which was supposed to be the disaster of all disasters, ended up being all right because, um... They booked it as simply and um, kind of unexpectedly as you would think. Mm. Um, Although a lot of good it did them to put him over that strong so that by the end of the year he could be uh, Sean Devari's bodyguard in a feud with Tommy (laughs) Dreamer. (laughs) Then we had One Night Stand 2, which featured a lot of WWE guys and uh, RVD winning the title from John Cena. Didn't seem to have close to anywhere near the magic of last year's One Night Stand, but seemed an okayish card. Mm-hmm. A lot of people really liked it because I think they were drunk on, re- <laughs> no, not literally drunk. Oh, okay. But that's awesome, also possible. Drunk on um, the return of ECW. Oh my God, it's going to be mm-hmm. great. And trying to convince themselves that it would be, and like it was not terrible or anything, but um, like Ray Sabu was pretty good, and Angle Orton was pretty good, and the tag match with uh, Mick Foley and Edge had a lot of really disgusting things in it. Mm. Um, But Van Dam and and Cena actually thought it would have been a lot better than it was, and in fact they had a better match on Raw a few weeks later. So, you know, between just a couple okay matches and 
what ECW ended up being, mm-hmm. which was, mm-hmm. you know, an abortion. Yeah. So uh, I would not recommend it, although I think the majority of people probably would give it a moderate recommendation. Mm-hmm. All right, then we had Vengeance, which may be a mystery card, because I didn't remember anything about this. This had DX versus the Spirit Squad main eventing. Is this true? Yes, this was wow. the the um, return of DX, their very first appearance. Together. Oh, that's right. And uh, so that's how they got away with um, headlining with Spirit Squad. Although they did a really good job with Spirit Squad until Hunter actually turned. Because mm. when, before that, they they took something that started out as like the, the cheerleading version of Matt Stryker, your teacher... <laughs> and then, like, built them into a meaningful upper-level act. And it was really working when they would do, like, their trampoline spots, and mm. they would just steamroll people five-on-one, like, including Shawn Michaels. They beat him down all the time. But uh, then Hunter's turn killed it because he wasn't selling for the Spirit Squad even five-on-one, and DX five-on-two wasn't going to do anything less than obliterate them. So yeah. That was it for the, the poor Spirit Squad. Uh, so this, would this be a no show? I Probably the best of the no shows. Not okay. a no hyphen show, but the shows with the word no in quotation marks next to them. Mm. Um, like Van Damme and Edge had a good match, a title match that I think was in the middle of the show. And um, Kurt Angle's last pay-per-view appearance, was it? I think. Yeah. I do believe you're right. There we go. Huh. All right, then we had uh, the Great American Bash, which had a reputation of being the worst show of the year in years past. This one had the Punjabi prison, where they just put Big Show in for no discernible reason other than elevated liver enzymes, and you had Booker T winning the world title. Mm-hmm. You know, the wellness policy was a, an interesting thing this year because it was... Uh, Sort of real, and then at other times, sort of not so real. Yeah. Like you, Chris Masters and Joey Mercury <laughs> disappeared, and then you had the Great American Bash, which was completely um, turned upside down through the, the magic of elevated liver enzymes. Uh, and then pretty much since that point, not so real. As, uh, Chris Masters came back, and then the rest of Chris Masters came back, and... Uh, Nobody else has been suspended since then, as far as I remember. Or maybe Randy Orton had a secret suspension since then, yeah. where he kept working. So, I mean, read into that what you will. But uh, I never saw this show. I know it had Regal versus Finley, which people got excited about, and then really wasn't anything. Yeah. And uh, Booker won the belt, which was uh, a great, great thing, but the match wasn't uh, anything too memorable. Alright, we'll put that in the no. Yeah. We'll play it safe. Then we had SummerSlam, which I was at live. Um, I like this card. If I give it a yes, it'll probably be a very middling yes. You had a, a good John Cena Edge match, but there's been plenty of those the rest of the year. You had a very bad Batista-Booker T match, which were also plentiful this year. And you also had the uh, Mick Foley Ric Flair blow off, which was much too short, but uh, still quite the spectacle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. There wasn't anything too bad on it, and then a couple things that were very good. The two you mentioned, Cena and uh, mm-hmm. Foley's matches. 
Um, but for being SummerSlam, you kind of have more expectations, especially for that Flair Foley match, which they did yeah. such an awesome job uh, building up. And then to only get 13 minutes while um, DX versus McMahon's, I think, went around 20. So that was a shame. And then Hogan Orton over Brooke, uh, in theory, you would think would have been not necessarily a huge deal, but at least, you know, something more than it was, which was less than Formula Hogan. He sells, he drops the leg, that's it. I'll see you next SummerSlam. (laughs) Yep. I just remember it took him like, he paused for like two minutes before he dropped the leg, just pointing at the crowd, and poor Randy just had to lay there like like he was shackled and just wait for the old man to, to drop the leg. Yep. It's too bad because um, last year Hogan suggested that Sean superkick Nick, and this year Randy wasn't allowed to do anything to Brooke, so that's yeah. not fair. If he was, it... I don't know that it would have been good, but may have been a little more than it was. Mm. Then we had Unforgiven, which had the TLC match for the world title with John Cena winning. Also a Hell in a Cell with the McMahons and Big Show against DX. Uh, this seems to be pretty much unilaterally a big thumbs-up show that people liked. Yes, I quite liked it. Um, Cena Edge is, I think, my third best match of the year after... Um, the Taker match, Taker Angle, and Foley Edge at WrestleMania. Mm. And Hell in a Cell was like half an hour of DX and McMahon's bleeding, but it wasn't bad or anything. And then Trish Lita was actually a lovely little deal. Mm-hmm. So, um, right. yeah, other than that, I don't remember anything else in the show. Orton and Carlito had a blah match, but it was, you know, for what you got, it was quite good. Alright, then we had No Mercy, and all I remember is the four-way on top that got changed at the last minute, which also led us to Fit Finley main eventer. This just happened like two months ago, I don't remember anything that happened. I remember Benoit was supposed to wrestle Montel Vontavious Porter, and then in uh, a shining... um, whatever you want to call it, we got instead Benoit versus Regal in a quite good match. Oh, that's so, right. There's that, and I don't really remember anything else. Rey Mysterio lost something to Chavo Guerrero, like he always does, and uh, that's about it. So we'll put that in the no category? I assume. All right. Then we had uh, the former Taboo Tuesday, now Cyber Sunday. Um, don't think this was a terribly well-received show. Now, this is the one I don't remember what was on it, aside from the main event. Cyber Sunday. That was some... This is a, this had the um, Carlito-Jeff Hardy match that uh, Ryan Alvarez hated. Oh, yes. And, so we'll just uh, put it in no on principle. Eric Bischoff made his short-lived return just because DX needed some other guy to do oh, hilarious yeah. things to. So, yeah, let's assume that's a, a no. Sure. Then we had three shows in four weeks, starting with Survivor Series, which had the Big Dave title win, a bunch of elimination matches that the Faces won, and, uh, yeah, don't think there's anything too great about this one. It happens to me practically every year with Survivor Series, where they will announce a teams match, and I will go, oh man, I love Survivor Series teams, it brings me back to my youth, I'm going to buy this show just because I'm in a good mood based on putting teams together. 
And this year of the last, I don't know how many, is the most creative and fun they've been with the team. Mm-hmm. But that creativity did not carry over to the booking of the matches themselves, where they beat every heel in the company that night except Ken Kennedy, who got <laughs> killed even worse after the match. Yeah. And you know, the last two years, last yeah, last two, three years, they've um, had a big tag main event and then kind of given it a good bit of time and gave it a chance to be a good match. And then this year, they did not do that. They just kind of ran through them with the old-school Survivor Series mentality of rapid-fire eliminations and mm-hmm. not really building any drama whatsoever. All right, so that's a no? That is a no. All right, we have a December or to December, which is a big old no, a hell no, in fact. <laughs> And then uh, we had Armageddon, which uh, sounds like a good show. Sounds it like it does. was. I'll have to track down a copy of that at some point. Yeah, Joey Mercury. What a year he's had. Yeah, rehab. Gets his face removed. Yep. And good times. they took his entire gimmick and gave it to the other two people and let them be a singles act. So yep. Good. Poor Joey Mercury. He'd be better so, off as Freddie Mercury. Oh, yeah. I'd rather be Fred Mercury than Joe Mercury. Girl mustache. So I count six yeses and nine noes for pay-per-views this year. There really were 15 shows. Is this yeah. the first year of 15? It must be because of the extra ECW show. Yeah. Wow. So, so. six, nine, DX, haha. But six <laughs> out of 15 uh, <laughs> reduces to two out of... No, you can't. I, I can't uh, do proportions in my head, so we'll oh, just well. assume that uh, a minority of shows were thumbs up. There you go. All right, uh, we had some goodbyes this year. Big Show, Trish, and Lita all left this year. They quit the biz, moved on to other things, mm-hmm. along with Chris Jericho and Christian, who also left late last year. With people saving their money and getting tired of the grind, do you think WWE will do anything You know, to... to persuade people to stay, more money, less dates, or are these acceptable losses and think the show must go on? Um, Stacey Keebler left too, although she yes, had I forgot a, about that. maybe a better jumping off point than anybody else did. Who The others were more or less just like, fuck this, and Stacey's <laughs> like, you know, hit the jackpot. But, um, I don't know, you figure for every Jericho, Christian, Trish who decides it's time to get out and they don't care there's probably although this could dry up in the future based on their barren developmental system but for every Jericho and and Lita and Trish there's another Cena and Edge Hmm. who love wrestling and they have a torturous schedule but um, they were kids uh, or fans as kids and now they're actually living the dream and enjoying it so I'm sure eventually Cena and Edge are going to um, get a little sick of it. and But by that point, you know, Kenny Dykstra may be uh, riding <laughs> high. So. Well, we had some returns this year. Uh, we'll start with Fit Finley, because I have ranted and raved about this a million times. I'll never get over him coming back at the age of 48 with no feeling in one of his legs and being awesome and a bigger star than he's ever been, ever. It's... Uh... 
really is some kind of something. Um, like Joe versus the world guest Matt Feuerstein and I were speaking to one another, as we do on occasion, mm-hmm. and he said the best wrestler in WWE this year was Fit Finley. And I was like, dude, Fit Finley is great, but come on, it's WWE, the biggest company in North America. He's not as good as... And then I stopped and was like, uh, no, Fit Finley was the best wrestler in WWE this year. Because yep. I'd say the only person better than him is Benoit, and Benoit was gone. So, yeah. Uh, quite amazing. It says something not necessarily negative, but it, it definitely reflects on where they are at, that mm. um, the best new star they made all year was a 48-year-old uh, man. He was the best new act, the most useful, and probably the best utilized. Mm. We should throw Dave Taylor in there, too, who is apparently 51 years old and yep. is back on SmackDown. Dave and, Taylor, uh, who can heal a torn MCL simply through the powers of being old and <laughs> British. Uh, speaking of people old and not British, we had Tatanka coming back. I ranted about this all year. Who the hell wanted Tatanka back? And, and is he still around? And is he a heel? He, he vanished. He those in order. Apparently Johnny Ace. Okay. I forget what the middle one is. And is he still he is around? Still a heel. <laughs> he is a I heel with um, evil Indian face paint. The evil Indian and the evil... Mentally disabled person. I can't bring myself to say retard on any more audio shows, or else I can't give these as stocking stuffers to my family members anymore. But um, yeah, Tatanka, Tatanka and Jim Duggan have both had regular roster spots for the entire year, and yeah. if Jim Duggan gets an easy crowd pop and actually had a, a mini renaissance through the the 21st century double meaning of his catchphrase. Mm-hmm. But um. Tatanka exists and has wrestled all year, and I guess still does. We had uh, Jeff Hardy back, who has done very well for himself so far. Yes, the opposite of uh, Tatanka. It's really a a lovely thing there with Jeff Hardy. Um, He and Nitro have had, like, the baby version of Cena and Edge. They keep wrestling, and it's always good. We had Charlie Haas back, and we got the great... Team with Viscera and uh, the knocking Lillian off the apron storyline, which I believe you were live for. I did see that live. It was, um... Charlie came back and got a half-hearted push. Well, the, the funny thing about Charlie coming back was I think he had some kind of some enemy who didn't want to use him, and mm-hmm. then somehow he overcame that and got put on TV. And I think actually got... a as close as you get to a push if you're Charlie Haas for the first yeah. few weeks. And then came the Lillian thing, and it was all downhill from there. Yep. Until, but um, the reunion of World's Greatest Tag Team actually does my heart a lot of good. It's a, mm. a happy thing to see. I hate uh, crime time comedy, Yep. but uh, if they did a skit and brought back Shelton's mama just to provide closure to that whole storyline then I would be fine with crimes. Oh. Uh, Test came back. Yes, Test. And ECW, looking like an overcooked hot dog. And he is not good. He's gross. <laughs> He's a, one of the most uh, 
Who was the diva who they would is normal looking and they would say, "Oh my God, she's so ugly, go away." Molly Holly went with yes. that ass, oh. and she cut her hair and I think dyed it and tried to be not as feminine as she could be, and then Lawler would just be like, "Ugh, that's the grossest thing I've ever seen, go away." Well, Tess deserves that treatment because he's a revolting physical sight. Is that all you have to say on test? More or less. Uh, all right. He had one good match with uh, RVD. Yeah, and a lot of bad ones. Yep. We'll move on to Umaga, or Jamal, if you will. And given that he was in a mid-card tag team before, he got the retro Samoan Savage gimmick. It's worked out pretty good, except for the fact that, if you notice when he opens his mouth, Umaga has a grill, which just kills the gimmick for me. <laughs> Like we're gonna like this guy's gonna sit in a dentist chair and let a guy work on him. Yeah, I don't think so. Maybe he was sedated, perhaps. Or, I don't know. I don't know. You can't sedate a savage. What was I no. thinking? Um. Yeah, I'm mixed on Umaga because Umaga as a gimmick is so corny, and mm. you, you're surprised it exists today. But Umaga, the performer, is really good at it in being wild and uncontrollable. He doesn't have great matches, but he has some entertaining squashes and does some some cool spots and people sell big for him. And I would have to consider it a success because I don't know that Cena versus Umaga is going to do big business, but it's going to do adequate, if not a little bit better. So successfully protecting him for a year and making him viable enough to headline a show, I'd have to consider it a surprising success. And last, we have Ron Simmons, who is used to perfection this year. I'm not going to say it. Oh. <laughs> oh, well. Um, yeah. Um, that was great the first time. It was great with K-Fed, and then in between it was hit or miss. But as long as they... Uh, I think it's worth going back to, because... Sure. I, I can't get tired of it. There are times when I'm kind of um, ho-hum about it, but then other times when it just hits the spot. All right. And uh, we had a lot of newcomers this year. I want you. You have uh, – I know you have a, a master's degree. I don't know if you are a teacher or not. I'm not. Okay. I may but... be one. When you get a master's degree in English, everyone assumes you have to become a teacher and then you say, no, 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 please, no. And then by the end you say, oh, God, I have to be. So remains to be seen. But Well, you're going to be a teacher right now because I want you to give me a grade. Okay. For the newcomer, I won't say name, and you can you can grade them. All right. We'll start with uh, Montel V. Porter, the MVP. Hmm. I'll give him a C plus because he sucks, and I would prefer not to see him, but I do think that He's kind of funny the way he reacts to unfortunate situations for him. All right. Great Kali. Um, I guess in the end it would have to be like a D. He goes up from the F because he was actually utilized for a while there and may have added to the Judgment Day buy rate. Mm-hmm. But, um, like, by far the worst worker and... Um, after the Taker program ran its course. In fact, the Taker program didn't even run its course because they decided at the last minute that they couldn't even be on pay-per-view. <laughs> so 
Great Kali only works if you make him into a, a genuine, important spectacle, and they were close, but they did not pull that off. So. All right, crime time. Crime time. Well, I will mitigate this by saying that JTG is terrific. Mm-hmm. But um, in, in 2000, 2001, I would have said with a straight face that WWF actually had some of the, the funniest comedy on television with uh, Edge and Christian and that, did I lose you? Nope, I'm still here. Oh, good. You made it a clicking sound, but I guess it was just um, the the regular mechanics of radio recording. But um, they actually had some of the funniest comedy on TV with Edge and Christian, and then later um, the skits with Steve Austin, Kurt Angle. Um, I would put that up there with pretty much any sitcom at the time. Like they are clearly not fully fleshed out, but just for bang for your comedic buck, that was good stuff. And this year, I would say between DX and Crime Time, uh, WWE has far and away the most annoying, unfunny comedy on TV. And it, it's more irritating than anything I watch on television. All right. Uh, oh, as spirit. for a grade, a grade oh, yeah. would be B for black. <laughs> uh, the Spirit Squad and uh, Kenny Dykstra, if you want to grade them separately. Spirit Squad would have been an A, and then them getting jobbed into oblivion would probably have to lower that to like a B or B minus, since they uh, by the fall they didn't mean anything. But um, they were pretty entertaining. I can't go any lower than that. All right, and we had Elijah Burke and Sylvester Turkai. The Man Bear. I didn't see a lot of them because I watched SmackDown with judicious use of the DVR fast-forward. But um, Burke, in his one color commentary on ECW that I happened to hear, was not too bad. But um, I can't see them getting anything more than an F because they just didn't contribute at all. I actually found I actually had Victor Vladimir Kozlov, who we can't grade yet, but I do find it interesting they're trying to put MMA characters in the uh, in the fake wrestling world, and uh, it's pretty obvious it's, neither one will succeed. <laughs> yeah, they really have a, a good grasp of exactly how and why MMA is popular <laughs> right now. Yeah. And we had Fake Kane. Fake Kane. I like. I was excited to see Fake Kane the first two times. I was like, oh man, Kane in a mask. And um, his old music, mm-hmm. much like with getting uh, overjoyed about elimination teams in Survivor Series, once you get past the initial luster, you're in for something very, very bad. So, probably an incomplete I would give him if I was grading, but... Yeah, or a W withdrew from term in shame. <laughs> withdrawn, yeah. He was withdrawn. Um, Matt Stryker, speaking of teachers. Well, Matt Stryker, the jackass babyface who would pump his fists and make comebacks, was the worst thing in the company when I watched him on Heat. Matt Stryker, as a teacher, does have a a good smarminess about him and is a lot better as a heel, but uh, it's still Matt Stryker, heel teacher, and that's not going to get you very far. And... 
He deserves a letter grade the most, so I think I will not give it to him because, you know, the only thing Matt Stryker would want more than to wrestle instead of teaching kids because he's so dedicated to this great sport of ours is to receive a letter grade on an, an Internet podcast, so I'm going to withhold that. Okay. The Highlanders. Highlanders, I guess, if a C is average, they'd get that because they were not very good but completely inoffensive. Kevin Thorne, the vampire, and Ariel. Kevin Thorne and Ariel are not bad in at performing their roles, I guess, but mm-hmm. they their push got killed after like the second or third week. So again, I guess they'd be a C, which in ECW, if you were a C, that would probably drop you to a D. Ah. And uh, last and least, Mike Knox. Mike Knox. Um, and but was part of that spot at Survivor Series, so I think that'll bump him up to D plus status. Wow. All right. Did uh, we miss anyone for newcomers? Uh, CM Punk. Oh, we did talk about him. What would you give CM Punk? I guess he'd have to be a straight A, because you know what more can you expect, CM Punk? Yeah. You're a harsh grader, Mr. Shapiro. <laughs> well, uh. Finley, Spirit Squad, Jeff Hardy, all. So, I mean, I got a lot of them, and then not very much out of anybody else. All right. I had a uh, potpourri section. If we missed anything, I think we covered quite a bit. Anything of note we may have not covered? Um, no, I think we're, we ran through it nicely. Uh I mean, would you want to determine, do you have a, are there even three WWE matches you feel worthy of ranking in a list of the best? <laughs> I haven't really seen enough to um, to make that call, so, yeah, I, I, didn't I, will, think so. I will withdraw. Okay. The only other one I'd mention is Ray and Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle for a dying man had a lot of sporadic <laughs> great matches this year. Kurt and Ray on TV in May, I think it was Kurt Angle's last match on SmackDown, had what would have been the match of the year if they hadn't done a count-out finish. So mm-hmm. I would tip my cap to them. All right. I, I guess that's it. Unless you have, the, you want to name a uh, an MVP or most valuable player, not Montel, <laughs> ver, 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 whatever his middle name is, Porter. I would I would have to go with John Cena. For my yeah. Pick. Uh, tough for me to decide between two because Cena carried TV and Edge carried Cena. So they're 1 and 1A depending on which you value more. Yeah. And uh, show of the year, WrestleMania, I believe you determined. Yep. Tag team of the year, even though tag teams are very poor right now. Uh, I thought Sp- uh, Spanky and Paul London had a, a very good year as a tag team. Usually had good matches on pay-per-view. Were the champs for... I think about seven months now, end of the year with the ladder match. Good enough for me. For sure. I mean, some, some teams made cameos, and it was uh, fun contributions, but London yeah. and Kendrick uh, have been great all year. London and oh. Kendrick and Ashley is like the prettier version of Team Extreme. So. <laughs> oh, we did forget to mention Casey James and Aaron Idle in the newcomers. Oh, yeah. Who have also vanished. That, 
I, how can Michelle McCool do a teacher gimmick who's a heel and snotty and talks down to people, and Matt Stryker do a teacher who's snotty and a heel and talks <laughs> down to people? <laughs> Not a lot of continuity here. Ugh. Need a fan wank or whatever that is. <laughs> All right, I think we have exhausted every possible topic. Yeah, that year is reviewed. What a year. Phew. Quite in detail. Well, I want to thank you for being on, Justin. Five Always times. A, a good time. Five times, five times, five times. Like That's that right. catchphrase. And uh, if you want to hear more of Justin, you can go to Rear Naked Choke Radio. He made a recent appearance where he completely took over the show, and it was great. And uh, you will also be on Figure Four Daily, a triumphant return, I believe the 29th. Yes, it's, it's quite uh, silly. I would have you refer to me as the prolific Justin Shapiro, but I okay. really do not do anything. Besides that, it's worth mentioning. So I, you can't be prolific otherwise. Is there a plan for Figure Four Daily, or is it just Well, I tried to pitch um, a Hanukkah show discussing the great Jews of wrestling, oh. but uh, I don't know if that's uh, too racially charged, perhaps. So we'll see. And I it's can't part wait for that. Of, well, and I'm also doing a fill-in recap again of the Tribute to the Troops Raw for uh, F4W, so that should be a hoot and a half. Because, uh, you know, what what is funnier than a war zone and a legitimately not? Yep. All right. Well, I want to thank you for being on again. I encourage everyone to visit JoeVersusWorld.com or TheCubsFan.com. We have a full archive of shows, including all of Justin's previous appearances. Uh, I would uh, especially check out the Marine Review, which was a bit of a watershed show for us. A lot of laughs. And um, I will be back with Matt Feuerstein. I imagine I should probably ask him before uh, I announce these things. But I imagine he'll be on next week for the Ring of Honor recap show. And, uh, yeah, I think that's all I have. Do you have any final words, Justin? Well, I'll give you a very special plug, not a euphemism, to you, Joe Gagne, because what a a damn fine job you've done for uh, low these eight months, is it now? Eight months, yes. You've really carved uh, your niche, and it's wonderful, and you are wonderful. Well, thank you. Wait for the big uh, anniversary show, which is in... I'm already planning some four months ahead of time, but uh, that will be quite the party. A behind-the-scenes note for people listening at home. Today I found out Joe Gagne eats dinner at 5 p.m. like an elderly person. (laughs) That's a fine time to eat dinner. I don't know what you're Hmm. babbling about. When do you go to bed, like... 9.30. 9.30. On a work day, it may be. I get up early. Uh, well, I'll lag about like some people. <laughs> That's true. The, Joe Gagne is the prolific one between the yeah. two of us. All right, I don't want to end this. This is the holiday season. I don't want to end it in a bad mood. So we will end the show. Right now, I thank everyone for listening. Uh, a happy Hanukkah, a cool Kwanzaa, and a very Merry Christmas to you. I will be back after the holidays. Talk to you soon.